good morning, everybody. We are glad you are with us in the house and those online. You know, each week we're hearing more and more stories of people who uh, have shared uh, the link or the live stream and uh, friends and neighbors and others are coming and uh, watching and learning and people that have never really stepped foot in church are starting to explore and experience and kind of view in kind of like window shopping online if you will and uh, we're really glad to do that and so man if, if you're watching maybe for the first time we just would say welcome it's a an honor and a joy to open scripture and to worship a little bit with you and I want to let you know of something coming up in two Sundays on December the 20th this is our Christmas service or our Christmas celebration. It'll be 9.30 and 11. We'll have it in person and online. Uh, but this is a special family celebration that we do at the end of the year. Every year, it's a special service of extra carols that we sing, the story of Christmas that we go through, and just a wonderful kind of celebration all together. So all the kids and grandparents, everybody's kind of together in one space and so uh, we'll be here we got plenty of uh, uh, overflow areas via video that so you can be in the house if you'd like or enjoy it from your couch in your living room inviting friends and family into your home as we celebrate Christmas together on the 20th of December and then the following Sunday the, the 27th that's our Sabbath Sunday where we don't meet in person uh, 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 on the last Sunday of the year, we've been doing this for several years now, where we just kind of take a Sabbath rest, and uh, we'll have a devotional that'll go live and be live streamed, uh, so that you can enjoy a little bit of a devotion that day, but we won't have live streaming services on that Sunday, we kind of take it as a day and give our amazing serve teams and volunteers a Sunday to be with family, a, a Sunday to travel if they want over the holidays, and just a little bit of a day where we honor God with some rest. So uh, th that's coming up. And uh, if you didn't catch those emails this week, go check your spam folder or subscribe to the newsletter uh, via, that, that, that we mentioned here a few minutes ago. Galatians chapter 5, verse 23 is where we've been this whole collection. We've got three more messages in this collection, Hope for Your Home. I pray it's been helpful for you. Uh, and we've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit as kind of a guide or a goal or an ideal direction that we want our homes, whatever home looks like for you, to be reminiscent of the fruit of the Spirit in our, in our lives. And so Galatians 5, 23, this is what the Word says. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. goes on, and we've been studying it. I want to jump to Romans 15 uh, and kind of help set up and frame our topic today. It says this in verse uh, 13 of Romans 5, chapter 15. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Somebody say peace. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. That you may abound in hope. May, may the God of, uh, of hope fill you with joy and peace for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Today, I want to bring a sermon to you entitled, Picture Peace. Picture Peace. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, Picture Peace. Online, tag somebody and tell them, Hey, Picture Peace. Picture 
piece, quick, quick survey. Uh, in fact, I want everybody to participate in the room and online. You can, you can participate as well. I want you to close your eyes just for a second. Go ahead and close your eyes. And I want you to picture your main living room in your home. Go ahead and picture it. Where's the furniture? Where's it set up? Is it clean? Is it dirty right now? Like, go ahead and picture it. Some of you are starting to get anxious because it's dirty. Just take a deep breath. It'll be okay. Just picture for a minute what's going on in your living space. Now, by, by a quick uh, raise of your hands and fingers and online, you can type into the chat, how many pictures do you have on your wall in your main living space? Go ahead, count them up real quick. How many pictures? I'm seeing three. I'm seeing some four. I'm seeing some people like shaking their head. I don't know that I can even count that high right now. Okay, five, six. I'm seeing some of those numbers. Let us know online. Picture these pictures in here. Okay, go ahead and look at me. Look at me. Look at me because you don't need to fall asleep. Right here, right here, right here. Do those pictures bring a sense of joy and smile to your face? Do they bring a sense of comfort to your heart? Pictures are really powerful. A couple uh, weeks ago, it was probably about a month ago now, uh, we were around the dinner table and somehow the topic of uh, our wedding came up. And our children knew right where our wedding photo album was. We've been married, Amber and I've been married for uh, 17 years. Uh, and it's been wonderful and, and amazing. And so our kids knew, though, uh, as we were talking about weddings and marriage and things, they were like, oh, let's go get the wedding album. So they went and found our wedding album, started flipping through pictures. And it did not take but a couple pictures for laughter to fill the room. As they pointed out, look at Uncle So-and-so. Oh, my gosh, Dad, what were you thinking? Look at Grandpa. He has hair still. Like, I mean, it was just laughter after laughter after laughter as they made fun of my hairstyle and they made fun of what was this smirk. And they looked at, and they were laughing and having a good time as they remembered with us these moments, as they caught a glimpse of something. And, of course, the memories that I have of that day and that my wife have of that day were different than maybe what our kids are just kind of trying to piece together through looking at these pictures. Pictures are powerful. Pictures bring to mind memories. The picture in your mind is powerful. The pictures that you piece together in your mind is po are powerful. It's been said that your life will move in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. The pictures that you see, the things that you think about in your mind are the navigation system moving you in a direction in your life. They're moving you, they're traveling, they're keeping you moving somewhere. And these pictures, these memories, they help move us forward with joy and hope or they keep us trapped. They keep us maybe feeling pain because maybe the memories that you have of certain things aren't always rainbow and sunshine. Maybe it's reminiscent of a spouse that you've lost. Maybe it's a reminiscent of a, a grandparent who's now in eternity. Maybe it's reminiscent. Maybe the things in your mind, the pictures that you see are of your failures, of your shortcomings, of your inabilities or your perceived insecurities. You have a picture in your mind and it is determining the direction you are moving with your life. It's either moving you in a place where you are experiencing peace or perhaps they are moving you in a direction where you are not experiencing peace. Maybe they're tearing you to pieces instead. 
we have this muscle memory, this, this repeated pattern, things that we automatically do because of the memories in our mind that have created this muscle memory in our, in our body. Uh, every Monday, I uh, meet with a group of men in a connect group at Common Ground, coffee shop. Uh, many times, I will meet with people all through the week and have different types where we're having conversations about various things and most of those meetings all happen at the common ground coffee shop because that is where God himself dwells in the house which is filled with the aroma of the Lord this coffee that fills the air it's, it's one of my favorite places I'm driving there often and so it is not abnormal for me to be driving down 6th street heading to the light at national with my kids in my car needing to go over the highway to take my son to his elementary school but my mind is not thinking about the elementary school my mind in that moment is thinking about the meetings that i have coming things that are going on in the church things that are kind of consuming my own mind i am picturing not my children being dropped off at school but the things that i have to do that day and i will come onto that light at national instincts and automatically start to turn left only to quickly realize oh no i'm going the wrong place Muscle memory has kicked in because my thoughts have me thinking about church, so my body automatically goes in that direction. I wonder how many of us are moving in the wrong direction in our lives because of the muscle memories that we picture in our minds day in and day out. I wonder how many of us are living lives full of anger and resentment and we snap because the pictures we have in our mind are not a picture of peace. I wonder how many of us, how many of our homes in these holidays, when you think about the holidays, it's chaos. It's, it, it's running ragged here and there. It's hustle and it's bustle, and we haven't discovered or embraced the holy. We're moving all sorts of directions, and we have strife. We have conflict, and we can't go to so-and-so's house at the same time as this person, and so we have to go in multiple houses for these things because these people don't get along with these people, and I have these friends that like to do this, and I can't do this, and it's just strife and conflict and chaos rather than a sense of peace that is promised to us. I believe God wants to reign in our homes, and when he reigns in our homes, he brings peace into our home. I believe that the presence of God brings a sense of peace. I'm reminded of the carols that say, all is calm, all is bright. It is a silent night, a holy night. Everything is calm. The peace that should be showing up in this Advent season, many times is not the case. Our life is torn to pieces rather than feeling and being filled with peace. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 16 says, Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. Peace is this gift that God wants to give you into your home. That in all seasons, in all times, whether you've got Christmas decorations up already or that's one more thing that you've got to do that you haven't done yet and you're not ready for this and you're not ready for that, whatever you find, wherever you find yourself, God wants to bring peace to. 
Whether, whatever your financial outlook is right now, he wants to bring peace to it right now. Whatever tension you're feeling in your parenting and the life and your marriage and in your work environment, whether you're, you, you, you're, you're, you're overwhelmed with things to do and you're underwhelmed, it doesn't matter where you're at, everywhere, everyone, he wants to give you peace. I believe hope for your home is found when peace in your home abounds. This is what I want us to look at today as we picture peace. Hope for your home is found when peace in your home, as it abounds. Uh, Romans 12, 18 says it like this. Live at peace with everyone. You, you could say it this way. Wherever you live, be at peace. Live at peace with everyone in your home everyone who lives in your neighborhood, everyone who lives down the street, everyone whom you agree with and you don't agree with, everyone that you work with and those that you wish you did not work with. Like live at peace with everyone. I love uh, how number six, uh, we just sang it a minute ago in this song, The Blessing. The Lord bless you and keep it goes on to say, may he be gracious to you and give you peace. Give you peace. I love that it's not just something we're singing to God, but today as we join the chorus of heaven, I believe in, in your home and in this room, we were not just singing it to God, but rather we were also singing it over those that we gather to worship with. We're singing it over the children that are represented in our congregation. We're singing it over the marriages and the homes and whatever home looks like for you, God, bring peace. Amen, Lord. Let it be, let it be. Let it be. And we are declaring the peace of God because hope for your home is is found when the peace in your home abounds it is a blessing it is a part of the thing that god has done for you it's a gift that he wants to give you now may the lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in the morning when you're feeling good and in the evening when you are running low on patience may he fill you with peace this is the promise that comes to us. Now, when I hear the word peace, and when you hear the word peace in, in our English language, maybe you're just thinking like, okay, there's no fighting. Uh, that's good. I like peace. It's no fighting. That's good. I'm, I'll take that. Maybe you think of peace as like, hey, peace, brother. Like, that's what you think of. It takes you to a more tranquil place that's chemically induced. I don't know. I don't know what you think of when you hear the word peace. Maybe we're not at war. Maybe we're okay. Maybe there's a sense of serenity Maybe it's like everybody has shut up in my home and now there is finally peace. Like I, I don't know what you think of. But for those who were living in the times of Jesus, those in scripture, when the Bible talks about peace, it's talking about something so much more than just a sense of tranquility in your heart. More than just a sense of you're not arguing and fighting and your kids are being quiet on the road trip. right? Like It's more than just that. In fact, the biblical picture of peace is, is, is two words dominantly used in Scripture. We see the English word peace, but in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is shalom. And the word shalom was a desired state of harmony, of communion between two covenant partners, God and humanity. 
the very presence of peace signified God's blessing in the covenant relationship. And so when they talk about the shalom of God, they're talking about the very blessing and presence of God himself in the relationship. In the New Testament, which is original language was, is, is Greek, in the Greek language, it's a different word. We get the English word peace, but it is predominantly this Greek word, irene. E-I-R-E-N-E. E-I-R-E-N-E. Pronounced irene. Nine out of ten times, this is the word that's used. Most of the time, you see the word peace in the New Testament, this is the word that they're using. And here's what it means. Prosperity. Quietness, rest, set as one again. Where there are pieces, God says, I'm going to set you at one again. Where there's a, a, been a fracture, I'm going I'm to bring it back together again. Where there is disease in your mind, I'm going to bring it back together again. It is a complete wholeness. That word prosperity is not just an American version of greed that we cover up with Christian language. The word prosperity is a totality of being, a wholeness from the inside out. Prosperity in Scripture has a financial component to it, absolutely. It's a part of the prosperity of God. But when we see the word prosperity in Scripture, it is a more than just that. It is the John 10 version of life that Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly so that you can abound in hope and peace in your home. It is a total fullness of wholeness that that which is missing is being added so that it is it is more of when we see this word peace it represents the prosperity setting at one again it is signifying and the writers are trying to articulate and jesus is trying to communicate to us that when peace shows up there is a wholeness of yourself the things that are lacking are being made right again where you're where you are struggling there is a flourishing that begins to abound in every relationship, in every context, in every space, and in every heart, and in every home, there is a peace, a wholeness, a fullness. It's not just a greeting, although it could be used that way, and is often used in that way. Peace was this, according to, to, to Baker's encyclopedia, peace was a total well-being, prosperity, and security associated with God's presence among his people it's linked to a covenant and the presence of a person as a gift it was a conditional often in the old testament upon obedience in prophetic writings in scripture the word peace and true peace is a part of the end time hope of god's salvation because there's coming a time friends when jesus returns and he sets everything that is apart as one again. When he takes the disease, the destruction, the chaos, and he makes it right again. Where his kingdom rule and reign show up, his peace comes along with it. As with everything, we long and we wait and we receive it by faith. It is this eventual peace that's going to come, but it is a promise here today too. Friends, here, here's what I want you to know. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I don't want you to ever forget this. Peace is a promise. 
It's a promise. It's a promise for you, for me. John 14, Jesus said it like this, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives, but I give you my peace. Jesus wants to give you a gift this Advent season. He wants to bring peace into your home. Peace into your mind. Peace into your heart. Peace into your relationships. Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says it like this. You, being God, will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Peace is a promise. Peace is a promise. And, and I don't want you to miss this. Here's the second thing. If you're taking notes, write this down. The promise of peace is for your mind. The promise of peace for your mind is all through Scripture. In fact, so often when peace is mentioned in Scripture, the word mind or mental or meditate, it's all right there. Because peace and your mind are linked together. Why? Because the pictures of your memories in your mind can produce peace or remove peace. Your mindset matters. I heard that somewhere. Someone ought to write a book on that. Probably would make a great stocking stuffer this Christmas. A book, Mindset Matters. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. Friends, your mind is moving you in a direction. It's moving you in the direction of peace or it's moving you in a direction absent of peace. The promise of peace is for your mind. Look, look at Philippians 4, chapter 5. This is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. I have lots of favorites, and this is one of them. Philippians 4, verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident by all. In the last 48 hours, the way you've responded to the people in your life, has your gentleness been evident or has it been missing? When the peace of God is in your life and in your home and abounding, your response to the people around you, they will see your gentleness. This is the picture that God has for us. Let your gentleness be evident by all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Not the tests and the finals you have coming up, not who you're going to sit with in the lunchroom. Not uh, whether or not your boss is going to be pleased with your project or not. Whether or not you're going to have um, the, the right gift under the Christmas tree. Not whether or not somebody's going to text you back. Not whether or not uh, it's ever going to get better. Don't be anxious about anything. Good or bad. Don't be anxious about it. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Anxiousness is a momentary uh, time where stress and anxiety are arising. It is a space in time where you are walking out a temporary atheism. Because when anxiety and the anxiousness abounds, you are trusting in yourself to fix it rather than the God who is on your side. In the moment when anxiety is overtaking your life, it's a moment where you are being overwhelmed with your inability rather than keeping your mind on his ability. Anxiety is on the rise right now in our world. 
because all sense of connectedness has been removed, because, because all of the, the isolation and the things that were normal that gave us a good rhythm and routine have been removed, and so everything seems upended in our world in a pandemic-stricken place, and we find ourselves with anxiety on the rise, and God's saying, no, 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 don't let the anxiety be on the rise. Cast those things to the Lord. First Peter tells us, because he cares for you. So the remedy to our anxiety is actually not to worry more, but to worship more. To give God more, to, to allow our minds, no, 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 I'm not gonna picture what it's gonna look like when it all falls apart because that picture is not gonna bring you peace in your mind. I'm not gonna picture what it looks like to be rejected or what it looks like to not make it. I'm not gonna picture those things. I'm gonna picture something different. I'm gonna picture his peace that's a promise for me. I'm gonna take my anxiety and I'm saying, God, would you take this? I don't need to hold on to this. I trust you with it. Friends, there have been seasons this year where it felt like every 10 minutes I was praying because the anxiety was just too high. The pictures in my mind were not hopeful. And the God, present your request to God. And when you do, here's the result. And the peace of God, which goes beyond your understanding, doesn't make sense why you're at peace. Everyone around you is being crazy, but you're at peace. Why? Because the peace of God, which goes beyond understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The things that we allow to ruminate and rest in our mind move us towards peace or they begin to tear away our peace. But peace is a promise. Peace is for your mind. One of the things that I think it's worth mentioning is that one of the ways we constantly uh, shape our mind is through the music that we listen to. Because music is set to a repeating rhythm and a cadence that gets stuck in our mind. You ever, ever had a lyric stuck in your mind? You're like, okay, this thing has got to go away. Got to change this lyric. Right? Music matters, and the things we listen to matters. Now, I'm not one of those that is like, uh, we're K-Love only. That's the only music you can listen to is K-Love. God bless K-Love. It's wonderful. Um, it's not a steady rotation for me in my life. For me, when I look at music, I see it in two categories. I see worship, and I see entertainment. Worship music and entertaining music. Some is wholesome, some is encouraging, some is okay, some is really not good. Right? Like, like my kids will make fun of me because I will crank up Justin Bieber under the mistletoe and dance around the kitchen looking for a kiss from my wife. I ain't got a problem singing that. I ain't got no shame in my home. Don't ask me to do it out here. It's not a pretty sight. Right? Like, so I'm not one of those, oh, get rid of it. It's not. No. But we have to be careful. We have to be careful of the, the songs that we listen to because the songs, that, the music that we listen to is creating a picture in our mind. Parents, we have to be careful of what songs our children are listening to because they're creating pictures in their mind. A couple weeks ago, I went and I looked at uh, Spotify. What was the top 50 songs listened to in America? Of the top 50 songs, 36 out of the 50 were explicit lyrically 
for sexuality and vulgarity of, of profanity. 36 out of 50. That means there were only 12 that weren't, if my math is correct. Nine out of the 10, top 10. A couple weeks ago when I looked, nine out of the 10 explicit lyrics. The number one song was the song Positions by Ariana Grande. Yes, they mean those positions. I don't know many 30, 40, 50-year-olds, windows down, cranking Ariana Grande out the window, singing the lyrics really loud. I don't know many of them. They might be out there. But you know who is? Those with just the one earbud in, walking around. Your home, my home, hallways and schools, college campuses, Walmart. And our minds are being repeatedly filled with pictures because the pictures in our mind produce peace or they remove our peace. It matters. It matters. What we meditate on matters. Romans 8, 5, and 6 says it like this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. And to set the mind on the Spirit, don't miss this, is life and peace. It's life and peace. If you have been absent of peace, it's perhaps because what has been the picture in your mind has led to a lack of peace. Trace it back to the thing. We talked about the, the flesh and the spirit last week, the direction that we move in our life, keeping in step one way or the other way. But is this understanding of our minds? You know, the Bible talks about the importance of meditation. Now, I want to contrast just for a second the difference between what is popular in our world today called mindfulness and what the Bible teaches is meditation. Now, meditation is what God says to do. Mindfulness is what Eastern mysticism and Eastern practices tell us to do. I want you to understand, Jesus said that Satan is known as the father of lies. Satan cannot create anything on his own. He only can counterfeit that which God has already created. He perverts and he twists and he reorients something that God originally created. God is the author of all good and perfect gifts. The enemy comes in and creates counterfeits, substitutes, things that create death in our lives rather than life that God has ordained for us. Meditation is God's way. The enemy has created a counterfeit called mindfulness. Now, I'm not gonna get caught up in the semantics. I think mindfulness is it's not like a dirty word. It's fine. I, I, I use the word often myself to talk about these things. But there are some distinctions that are important. When the world talks about mindfulness, it's based on an unhealthy degree of self-focus. When we talk about mindfulness in, in, in our world today, it promotes a one-with-the-cosmos worldview. When we talk about mindfulness, it, it supports the emptying of the mind 
which actually can lead to people being exposed to demonic influences. What did Jesus say? If you clean out the house and you sweep it all away, and all of the evil leaves your home, if it is left empty, the enemy will return seven times stronger than before. And finally, it encourages an escape from reality. I'm just going to empty, I'm just going to escape. I'm going to take some moment, deep breath, center myself, become one with the universe again. And often mindfulness is used. There's many mindfulness apps, mind meditation apps. There, there are many, um, even yoga practices. Now, these concerns that people have are, are valid. These, these, these distinctions, they're valid and they're important. Secular mindfulness is always horizontal. In other words, you pay attention only to yourself, which isn't the way of Jesus. That approach contradicts Scripture entirely. Scripture teaches us to have the mind of Christ, to renew our minds, to fill our minds on good things. And it fills our mind with Christ and evaluate everything, not on a horizontal relationship, but on a vertical relationship in light of God and Jesus in our lives. So the very physical nature of stopping, slowing your breathing down, and thinking about something that is true of God's word, that's biblical meditation. That's good, that's right. But to stop, to slow our breathing and then to just empty ourselves of all everything and become one with the universe. That's helpless. We cannot mindlessly rely on humanistic approaches to find hope for our humanity. Personally, I don't have any theological hang-up when it comes to the physical stretching and movements found in yoga practices. I don't have a problem with them. Personally, I do what would be considered yoga often. The difference, though, for me I'm not taking a deep breath to empty myself of anything. I have worship music playing, a sermon going in the background, or scriptures that I'm meditating on while I do it. Because God created my body and your body, and he knows we need to stretch and move and breathe. Did you know 20% of the oxygen you consume is for your brain? Which means if you're not breathing properly or breathing deeply, you're cutting off 20% uh, you're, you're cutting off oxygen to the most critical things. No wonder we make bad decisions. No wonder we don't stop and breathe in an argument. Somebody does something we don't like, and we don't even take a breath. We're right there to cut out their throats. Why? Because we're not breathing. And your brain's not getting any oxygen. Of course you're making a dumb decision. Of course you're going to end up sleeping on the couch. Take a minute and breathe. And then respond. 
God created you this way. He created your body and your being. You were created wonderfully and amazing. And the world has tried to counterfeit and remove the spiritual component from it. But God says, I have peace for your mind. Stop, breathe, and meditate on the word of God. Breathe in and breathe out the scripture of what he says. Psalms 46, 10 says, be still and know that I am God. Joshua 1.8 says, keep the book of the law, the Bible, always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Then you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous. Shalom. Peace. start meditating on God's word rather than trying to ignore something rather than trying to empty yourself of something maybe we begin to meditate on the word of God stop moving slow your breathing and start speaking God's word that's biblical meditation that's how you have peace for your mind peace is a promise and you get to participate in it but peace wasn't just a promise for your mind. Peace was a promise for eternity, friends. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. It's one of my favorite Advent, you know, Christmas time scriptures. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God everlasting father and the prince of peace he's a prince he's a prince because he's come to rule and reign in your home he's come to set up his kingdom domain in your life anywhere we are not experiencing the peace of God is an ind indication where we are not submitted to the reign of God to the reign of his kingdom. Anywhere we are submitted to ourselves and ourselves alone, doing it in our own strength, we will not have peace. But any place that we surrender to God, when our lives are wholly his, when we're doing it his way, and we submit to the reign of God in our lives, he is the prince of peace, and peace comes in our hearts and our homes. It's a promise for you. Peace isn't just the absence of conflict or the absence of strife. Peace is a person, and his name is Jesus. And he's come to save the world. And this season of Advent, we are not waiting just for his first arrival. It's already come. That's what we celebrate. But we are in Advent. We are in anxious, or not anxious, we are in full, patient anticipation with hope that he's going to come again bring an eternal peace because his kingdom will have no end. Friends, if there's a lack of peace in your home, it's likely because there is a lack of Jesus' presence in your home. There's a lack of his rule and his reign, his authority, his dominion, his rulership in our homes. There's places where you're being God instead of allowing him to be God. Peace is a promise. Peace is a promise. Now, I, I, I want to be really, really sensitive. If, if you're struggling with mental health things, 
if there is disease in your mind, I'm not simply saying, well, just go to, quote a few scriptures and take a pill and go to bed. Get over it. That's ridiculous. If my arm is broken, I'm going to go see a doctor. And if there are things in your heart and your soul that are just unhealthy, go see a doctor. Mental health is so important. There's a physical and metaphysical component to it. But there's also a spiritual component to it. And friends, today I'm just bringing you some truth as it relates to the Prince of Peace for your spirit and your soul. But the peace God promises you isn't just for your spiritual salvation. It is a wholeness of together of one again to where your spirit, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions are made right and healed again. Friends, the good news for us is that God our Father provided peace for us. Peace goes by the name Jesus. When we come to the Lord's table, as we have the elements in our hands and hopefully ready in your home, when we come to communion, we are reminding ourselves that Jesus came to start a new covenant with us. Peace was the byproduct of two people in covenant together. Shalom. We're reminding ourselves of the shalom, the peace, the irene of God that came to us in Jesus. As we come to the table today, we are participating in the collective demonstration that we who are many individuals have now come together as one at the table of the Lord. Peace among us. As we come to the Lord's table, we are reminding ourselves that we are like everything else in the kingdom of God, receiving this gift of peace who is Jesus as a gift received by faith. We don't earn it sure as heck don't deserve it but it's for us it's for you it's for me and it's a gift that God brings for you and for me this is one of the benefits of the covenant of God this communion this bread and this juice this this repeated pattern this repeated practice of taking communion together this is the moment where we come together and we remind ourselves and recommit ourselves to say, God, you're the king. Jesus, you're the prince of peace. And you have full reign in my life. Maybe you're here today and you're watching online or you're in the room and you've never given the control of your life over to God. You've never pledged your allegiance to follow this man named Jesus. You've never by faith said, God, I receive salvation. I receive your hope. Maybe you've never done that. Today's your day. Today's the day you just simply say, God, I receive that gift of peace. I receive Jesus. And I invite you to be my God, my Lord, my King.
get ready to take these elements. The bread represents the body of Jesus. The, the juice represents the blood of Christ. That he poured out as an offering and a gift to bring you peace, to bring you wholeness, to bring you a complete healing spirit, soul, and physical body. I want you to close your eyes and listen to the words of Isaiah 53. As you picture peace, what it looks like in your home, as you picture peace, what it looks like in your life, as you picture peace of what it looks like to have that serenity, that fullness, that, that wholeness within your own mind. As we come to, to meditate on this scripture and contemplate it before we take the elements, listen to these words, Isaiah 53 and verse 5. But he, talking of Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's an internal pain. Some of us today are coming to the Lord's table, not physically sick, but internally, there's some bruising going on. There's been some internal pain, internal anxiety. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace is on Jesus. And by his stripes, we are healed. Let's take the bread together. And now, as an act of faith, let's take the juice together. Lord, we thank you for this moment that we by faith can receive your gift of peace for us. Hope for our home is found when peace in our home abounds. So Lord, would that peace grow in us this week? As we set our minds on the Prince of Peace this week, as we meditate on scriptures and think about what it means to have peace here, Lord, I pray that you would bring peace and healing. Lord, for those that are watching this because they are at home, quarantined or sick in their body. I thank you that as we've taken communion, you're bringing healing to their physical bodies. You're bringing healing to our emotional well-being. You're bringing healing to our mental faculties. You're bringing a wholeness, a peace in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray this benediction over my friends. May the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we together may abound in hope. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. And all who agreed with that said, amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. 
Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you're if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.